Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, Please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. You go tell that fox for me, listen, I'm casting out demons performing miracles today, tomorrow, and on the third day I will finish my work. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Perseverance, stubbornness. These are wonderful, maybe not stubbornness so much, qualities. Perseverance. Uh, March Madness begins this uh, week, thank God. Looking forward to that, right? What a great time. And the uh, tournament today, uh, you know, uh, if you don't have a favorite college basketball team, I suggest the Michigan State Spartans, but, uh, you know, uh, they're green too for today. But perseverance, I love to watch. I don't know why, but especially college football or basketball, really, um, as coaches get the kids, and they are just kids. As you get older, you look back and see, my goodness, these are just kids, or your own kid is like their age now. Uh, To teach them, ultimately, especially in college, when you have a variety of talent levels, perseverance, the one who perseveres. Um, is the one that's going to win and it'll overcome talent, you know, as a team perseveres, as players persevere and they, they fight through pain and they fight through obstacles and they fight through nowadays social media might even say, I mean, imagine it really kind of baffles me, an an 18 year old, um, hearing and seeing on Twitter, you know, Instagram and, and all of ESPN, et cetera, someone critiquing their game regularly. I, I, it seems very unimaginable at that age to be able to handle that. I, I, as Tom Izzo always tells us, I think he tells them to turn it all off if they can, but, but persevere. You persevere through the criticism. You persevere through the failures. You persevere through the mistakes that you make in the game, and you keep going. Uh, and that's uh, what hopefully we'll see, no matter who your team is, uh, this uh, March, and now April, I guess. March Madness is really, <laughs> concludes like almost to Easter, it looks like. So, well, God is pretty good at persevering. Thank God, right? Today we've got a wonderful little story here that demonstrates that. Um, Jesus almost sounds angry, I suppose. He's got his game face on. It is uh, chapter 13 of Luke, if you're following along at home here. Um, And as you know, Lent is a journey. It's a journey from uh, about here to the cross. So you'll see readings that'll have Jesus as he's going to Jerusalem, where he's going to do the greatest thing in the history of the world Lay down his life, pick it up again for you and for me. And so 13, he's on that sort of journey. And of course, on that journey, he is teaching and he is healing. And Pharisees are coming at him and he has obstacles, right? But his face is focused. And so apparently here, uh, he was teaching somewhere. And and, uh, Luke says that at that very hour, he was uh, teaching him them about the narrow door and, and, uh, uh, and all the obstacles to, to believing and that sort of thing. And at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, hey, get away from here because Herod 
wants to kill you. Yeah, Herod wants to kill you. He says to, he says to them, go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons, performing miracles today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I'm finishing my work, period. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jesus has his game face on. The Pharisees will do anything to stop him. In fact, not just the Pharisees, but the devil will. Because Christ has a goal. He's obsessed with it. And it's not the uh, Final Four t-shirts or the championship ring, but it's you. It's you. You are his goal. You are his prize. And nothing is going to stop him. And today we see the Pharisees. Last Sunday, it was Satan. And I love how the Pharisees are here. Uh, <laughs> they want to scare Jesus. Right? And it's ironic because they have no clue what he's up to. They don't know what Jesus is supposed to be doing, which I think is kind of funny if you think about it. Get away from here for Herod wants to kill you as if death is something that might deter Jesus and his mission. The irony is that Jesus' mission is what? To die, right? But what I really love about this is the Pharisees, it's, it's not Satan, Satan's wily and Satan's himself, but these are human beings. This is you and me. The Pharisees come and they warn Jesus, get away from here because Herod wants to kill you. Classic church life for a pastor. And I think we do the same thing like the Pharisees. Who really wants to kill Jesus? It's not Herod. Herod actually, the early, the first Herod, by the way, Herod the Great, that's the one that had all the little babies killed and wanted to kill baby Jesus. Absolutely. But he's dead. This Herod they're talking about is his son. He is in charge of like a fourth of what his dad was in charge of. And this Herod does not want to kill Jesus. He didn't even want to kill John the Baptist, if you remember. In fact, later on, we're going to see Jesus meet Herod. Herod just wants to see Jesus do a couple magic tricks for him. He's not interested in killing him. Who is interested in killing Jesus, though? The Pharisees. And I guess t this week, I was meeting with some other pastors talking about this. It just dawned on me how typical this is of you and me. God forbid we tell someone up front what we're thinking. But instead, we triangulate, right? So we tell the person that we're upset with, Someone else is upset with him. I've had this as a pastor. My first year as a pastor, um, I, I, I probably did do something stupid, by the way. I, I remember, <laughs> you think you're a genius when you come out of seminary. And uh, anyhow, this guy comes to my office and he says, Pastor, people are really upset with whatever you, know, whatever you did. And it scared the heck out of me. Because I'm thinking, oh my goodness, people are mad. The church is going to go down. Well, who was really upset with me? That guy was. 
And there was no one standing behind him either, by the way. And so within a couple of years, you start learning. There's no such thing as people. The person that's talking to you, telling you that someone else is mad, they're the person that's actually, that's actually mad, right? But we don't have, and I put myself in this too, we don't have the guts. We don't have, because quite frankly, honestly, our cause is unjust. And so we are good at saying someone else is mad at you. To maybe get you to do something that we want you to do, right? Because we don't have the you-know-what to tell you exactly what we think. That's evil. That's sin. That's, that's humanity. That's wishy-washiness. That's me. And that can be you, too, can it? So here are the Pharisees trying to dissuade Jesus, stop him. They just want to stop him. Because he's become popular. And, and, and what's funny is, why do they want to stop him? What's he doing? Helping people, curing people. But you see, what they don't like is he's becoming popular. We're losing our cred. People aren't coming to us for all the answers. They're going to you, Jesus. And so maybe they think, I mean, they do it all the time. The Pharisees, they either want to test him to make him say something stupid. They're, 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 they're journalists. They're journalists and lawyers. I'm sorry, are there journalists and lawyers out there? Uh, there's nothing wrong with that profession, by the way. Very important profession. But this is how it seems sometimes, right? I mean, they're trying to, all they care about is, how can I get Jesus to say something dumb? Or as lawyers, how can I get him to say something technically wrong and so that I can tell others he's wrong, he's bad, he's not that good of a rat. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Or at least he'll say something outlandish that people will get mad about, right? And so Jesus is on his way. His only mission from birth to Jerusalem is to die and rise for you. But whether it's Satan in the wilderness, whether it's people, his enemies, Pharisees lying and and trying to scare him with death, or scare him, or or try to trip him over on his words. And then, sadly enough, who is in his way? But even his own disciples. Even Peter, who professed how much he loved Jesus, is the one that told Jesus, God bless Peter, to his face, After Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest me, kill me. Three days later, I'm rising again. Peter, who just got done confessing how Jesus is the Christ, Peter grabs Jesus and says, I don't think so. And starts waving his finger at him and rebukes Jesus. It's the dumbest idea I've ever heard in my life for God, let alone the Messiah, to die. And yet, Christ could not be stopped. You go tell that fox that I'm going to go do this on this, this day. And then tomorrow, I'm going to keep on doing it. And then the third day, when I'm good, well, and ready, I'm going to stop. Isn't that awesome? And of course, what happens on the third day? He rises again from the dead. I'm going to be done when I say it's done. 
nothing's going to stop me at all. Not even my own people. Not even the rejection of the people that I love throwing stuff at me, yelling insults at me, putting a cross on me. I'm going to keep on walking up that hill. Nothing's going to stop me. Why? Because I'm crazy in love with you. And I'm going to save you whether you like it or not. That's Christ. Perseverance. Amen. That's not us, is it? And I'm not telling you this to give you a nice little role model. Boy, I need to be like Jesus. Go ahead, try. You will fail. But man, we can really be the opposite of persevere. People that know exactly what God has done for us, who know that we are forgiven by the blood of Christ, who know that we will rise again, how quickly we fall down in any temptation, right? Or how quickly we just throw in the towel when everything goes bad in our life. Got a bad day, didn't get that pay raise that you wanted. There's no God. I mean, we're kind of like that, aren't we? You got an illness, or in my case, if Michigan State loses today for a little bit, I will... It's crazy. Family challenges, our own sins, how quickly we throw God under the bus. And more importantly, I would say, one another in our marriage. Do we persevere? Do we forgive like we've been forgiven? Do we keep working at it? For our kids, for our neighbors, for those and our enemies. How about this? God who loves us who were once enemies at work or at school, you all have enemies. How quickly we think it's insane. There's no way I can forgive this person. There's no way I can love that person. How quickly we just throw in the towel. We try. We tell God, well, I tried for a little bit. Like, you know, a day or something. But it's just not working out and I hate this person. I'm going to have to exact my revenge on them. How quickly we totally stop loving, stop forgiving, give up. Maybe even as a church, as St. James, too many challenges. The wall's coming down. (laughs) There's other things coming down, by the way. We won't talk about that today. (laughs) You know? People don't really like the, the good news. They, they, Christianity's kind of had its day. Or this area, it's not really, you know, they're not open to talking about Christ. Uh, Chicago has just kind of changed, you know. Uh, I don't know what it might be. How quickly we don't persevere as a church. Any little obstacle. And there will be obstacles. Plenty of them. How quickly we just kind of back away, refrain. We don't give up, but we just kind of refrain, go back in our little hole. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been redeemed by God. You've been bought and paid for by Jesus. He has and will persevere for you. You're just fine. You are on solid ground. Your feet are firm. You don't need to be afraid of any obstacle. You don't need to be scared of death itself. And as a church, we 
stand on Christ's shoulders. We are bought by Him. We are commissioned by Him. We do not need to be afraid of anything. In fact, he sends us into enemy territory on purpose. He tells Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. What that means is you're going forward and you're going to knock down hell's gates and you will be successful. And that he says to you and to me and to St. James. Praise God. He is more persevere, he has more perseverance, and he's more stubborn than us. And he has more perseverance, and he's more stubborn than our sins. Because he keeps on forgiving. He keeps on giving us his body and blood. He does not give up, right? Because on this day I'm going to do it, on the next day I'm going to do it, and the third day I'm going to rise again. And he says that to you too. Today I'm going to forgive you, tomorrow I'm going to forgive you, and the next day I'm going to forgive you. And we fall down and we don't persevere, we come in there on our knees, Jesus is going to say, I'm forgiving you today, I'm forgiving you tomorrow, and I'm forgiving you the next day, right? You know, today we celebrate, I think, a great perseverance. I know I talked about this this past Wednesday, but Patrick, this is my favorite saint. I forgot to show my kids my socks, by the way, shoot. Anyhow. This is, the favorite, this is the greatest saint, I think, of, of all the time, which is sad that he's not officially, well, we don't care. We're Lutherans. We could care less. He is a saint because of the blood of Jesus, and he's a hero in the faith. I mean, this, this young man, Faith was trying to tell, me, tell the story, but I didn't want her to because she's still my show. So, but uh, little Faith was talking about it. So this guy, Patrick, is in England. He's... Uh, taken by Irish marauders, you know, they come across to the Irish Sea there, they grab him and they, they bring him back, they kidnap him, they steal him, who knows what kind of physical violence is done, how frightening this must have been for like six years, assuming he's never going to see his family again and not knowing if he's going to live or die the next day. And finally, by God's grace and perseverance, he knows exactly where Patrick is. He takes care of him, and he opens an opportunity for Patrick to escape, and he gets to go back and see his family. Wow. And that in of itself, what a great story of God's perseverance and love for Patrick. But that's not what the story's all about, and it's not why the Irish love Patrick. It's because Patrick went back. Back into the house that was on fire. Because God told him they need Jesus too. And of course, Patrick knew that he too was once an enemy of God and no better than these pagan Irish. That he too was the benefactor of a persevering God that loved him. And so there he went back across that sea, back to his captors, back to the Irish to tell them about forgiveness and grace and to bring them back into the family of God. God does not give up. And he won't give up in your life. And he will not give up on St. James. In Jesus' name, amen.